0: Hey guys, this podcast is specifically brought to you by Amazon Automotive. They're a store where, you know Amazon, you can get everything you can imagine. On Amazon, you can even get tires. Yep, Amazon lets you shop
1: auto parts, tools, and accessories quickly and easily from your PC or mobile device. Amazon, of course, offers free shipping on millions of items if you're a Prime member. Be sure to add the promo code DRIVER at checkout to receive $5 off on select orders over $25 for a limited time. Restrictions apply and visit Amazon.com slash promo terms for details. Life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility, but driving shouldn't be just another chore.
0: We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul, and this is the Everyday
1: Driver, Car to Jumping right in. Have you seen the latest news from Volkswagen? Their warranty is a mea culpa of sorts. Well, their
0: warranty let's, – let's be honest. Their warranty is two things. They've got this big warranty news, and it is big. like Industry-wide, this is pretty big warranty news. It's simultaneously – by the way, please forget about Dieselgate. But you know what it also solves? <laughs> it also solves <laughs> the say, fact that you and don't I look over there. When we talk about Volkswagens, what do we say? The, the GTI is a great example. Fantastic car. Great to drive. Lots of great things about it. A lot of value for money. And everyone we know with one, it's a dice roll. It may run great, or after 60,000 miles, it could be a money pit. And they've done a great warranty to address that, too.
1: Yes, they have. So what we're talking about is Volkswagen's announcement that they are expanding their six-year, 72,000-mile warranty warranty. To cover nearly every new 2018 Volkswagen, it's called the People First Warranty. Whereas before, it was called the Profits First Warranty. More popular <laughs> inside Volkswagen than much more popular you know, with all of us inside the, the Volkswagen group. Yeah, the product. Well, but
0: two two interesting things here: seven year six years, and seventy-two thousand miles is one of the longest warranties in the business, and
1: it's past that sixty-year. Oh, it's sell the car, 60, or you is. have to turn it into a money kind It's of a
0: full year mark. past that sixty thousand mile. <laughs> exactly. We're not sure, but but that's a really long warranty. And the other thing about it that's interesting: let's go back. To, I want to talk about this in relation to Hyundai because Hyundai is known for their 10 year, hundred thousand mile.
1: Yes, and there's yes, two things are. I
0: want to touch on with that. The first one is the fact that in most cases that warranty was original owner. True. This is a warranty that goes with the car, so when you buy a thirty-six thousand mile Volkswagen, you're halfway through the warranty. You're owner number two. You have half a warranty left. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. And the second point I want to make here is we're talking about reliability in relation to this warranty. I read a fascinating thing about what happened at Hyundai when marketing came up with that 10-year, 100,000-mile. Huge. They came up with it, and it revolutionized people's perception of that brand. But then it rippled backwards through every other department because they suddenly realized, uh uh-oh. We got to support yeah. We, yeah, well, these car, we have to make these cars run to 100,000 mile without problems <laughs> oh, yeah, because right. otherwise we're going to bankrupt the company just trying to solve warranty problems. Although, so it not worked backward to start Agreed.
1: there and then kind of force every other department to kind of Agreed. come right along. When you know? they
0: first were offering that warranty, those cars were problematic. 10 years later, those cars are less problematic. Why? Because they don't want to be paying for the warranty. So this has a potential to change Volkswagen, not just perception-wise, but product line-wise. And you can get it on a GTI and a Golf
1: R. That's huge. Uh, You know, Hyundai and Kia, they currently have their five-year, 60,000-mile warranty. But the powertrain is what you're talking about, Oh, sure. that 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. But I think that's the tipping point. I think that was a switchover from when everybody started looking at Hyundais and Kias and going, Okay, I think I could, you know, imagine mm-hmm. myself owning that car. Yeah. I yeah. think I could go for it. Because before, you know, there were jokes abound and mm-hmm. Honestly, the engineering wasn't there. I didn't mm. feel like, but I think that was really the tipping point.
0: But it had to be after the but fact. But with yeah.
1: VW, the engineering is already there. It's sort of now with this warranty. Volkswagen is now saying to the public, "We believe in our engineering." Sure, we did before, but it was just standard everything. Yeah, three year, thirty six or whatever. Yeah, but we, we believe in what we're doing already, and that's the totally. point that Todd and I have made consistently: is the cars weren't poorly engineered. They ran very well. They're excellent mm-hmm. cars. Mm-hmm. They just cheated, and now it's definitely the <laughs> the point of don't look over there, don't yeah.
0: look at our past. Please, please forget these gates. By the way, do you know we're in Formula E? Have you noticed?
1: Oh. Yeah, it's awesome. Have they joined Formula E now too? Of course they have. All right. Well, Volkswagen Group as a whole has Audi, Porsche left Le Mans, the uh-huh. LMP1 cars, which I'm now kind of worried about at the top of the class for Le Mans is sure. going to be. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. Audi, be Peugeot, looking
1: around like maybe Toyota too, going, yeah. "Hey guys,
0: you want to come out and play?" Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that Volk? You know, Audi has this long-running history of killing Lamar Le- with a big TDI badge on the side. Except that's a little bit of a problem now. You know, <laughs> look like the outlaws. So we're just going to take that TDI car, retire it, go over to exactly. Formula E. Look Quietly. over here, don't look over there. You know, I want to actually speak to a question that came up later, but it relates right here. Dammy, who's written in many times, asked us this question. It's going to say, "When will auto journalists finally stop kind of backhand complimenting Hyundai and Kia as well? It's good for a Kia or it's good for a Hyundai." Yeah, I
1: agree. And Dammy, great point. I think you might be referring to Motor Trend's latest video uh with Randy driving, mm. Randy Pope's driving. Uh he did a road review of the Kia Stinger GT, although it was pre-production. Yeah, yeah. But he kept looking at the camera, and this is not a slight, you know, but kept saying, Well, for a Kia it's good. I agree. I've been saying this for mm-hmm. a while now. Yes,
0: we know you have. These You're cars the drum are for great Kia. they
1: are, they are loaded with design talent. They have come to play, and just sitting in the I-30N at the mm-hmm. Frankfurt Motor Show. Yeah. I was impressed. It's sort of like Hyundai is looking at Volkswagen back in the day. You know, Volkswagen's era of the GTI and the the halo car and all the switch gear was just so well thought out. It wasn't over designed. It didn't need to be more than it is. They've gone back to basics and filled this niche where every other car maker has kind of left the affordable, fun sports car kind of thing. And I think they're going to kill it. And no well, longer will we need to say for a Kia and caveat it, nothing.
0: But but Dammy, there's a perception thing here. And I want to relate it to something that happened in the industry 20 plus years ago. And that is how long, and I'm asking this question because I don't remember the actual time frame, but how long did it take for people to stop, stop saying because it's a Lexus or for a Lexus? Could because be. when Lexus yeah. entered the market, yeah. Lexus was the oddball. You had Mercedes, you had BMW, you had Audi. Why would you buy a Lexus? Why? why? What's I'm this Lexus you're talking it about? When it first yes. dropped on the market. Right it was like, well, it's it's kind of good for a Lexus, you know, compared to, for a Toyota product compared to the Mercedes, is kind of good. How long until Lexus stood on their own two feet? Now, partially it was because of their reliability and their service. It's the reason my mother-in-law keeps going back, and many, many others. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, at least a decade, maybe two decades went by before that quit being a caveat also ran, and it just became Lexus's new this is great. Mm-hmm. Sure. So yeah. I think Kia and, and uh, Hyundai are in that place still in, in current car culture where it's a caveat because they are the oddball cheaper also rands
1: okay so then the tipping point will be when the kias and the hyundai start beating in every class they enter They beat their competition soundly.
0: They're on the podium, for sure.
1: Which they already are doing. Yeah. And when, you know, the i30N comes out and everybody starts liking it more than the R or the GTI or whatever that is, then we'll all stop saying, yeah, for a Kia. Then we'll say, no, I actually want that car. I I much prefer Mm. it. I don't
0: care what the badge says. You and I have said that for the
1: longest time? Yeah.
0: The badge is irrelevant on every car. Truly, truly. I mean, I know we make, you know, we make... (laughs) You paddle around in the pool of Porsche. I like weird, small British cars. But (laughs) honestly, the badge is irrelevant in our brains. We want the cars to be good. I don't care what the badge is on the hood, and you're the same way. I know we're being circuitous here, but back to this Volkswagen thing, that's a big warranty. I'm very fascinated to see what that does to corporate culture at Volkswagen (laughs) and what it does to common perception for Volkswagen. And then we've got perception of Hyundai and Kia. We're all in the same kind of pool right now. I find that fascinating. It is, although it does seem a bit random to me. Six years,
1: okay. They Why doubled not five? up
0: five. Why not eight? They Why doubled not up ten. Three year thirty six becomes six year seventy two.
1: Okay, fine. But, all right, yeah. Now but, I'm seeing the conversations
0: on the board. Let's double everything. Exactly. Let's double the warranty. Exactly, it is.
1: Okay. Uh-huh. All right. You can
0: hear the board meeting. Absolutely. Ugh. The one, I, the other one I think can is interesting only. is I don't know if it's been in the last four or five years. Ferrari went from uh, good luck warranty <laughs> policy to like seven years and, and like fifty thousand miles. I'm going to get it a little but wrong. Still but still, for it's,
1: just original owner, I'm sure. But
0: still, though, still for Ferrari yeah. to say keep bringing it back, we're paying for it. That's <laughs> yes. that that shows though what it shows honestly is it shows that the days of the Kuntash are so far over, meaning there's no tolerance for buying an, a, a crazy exotic and having it not work. Right. Oh, and the engine has to come out for maintenance. That used to be a badge of honor of owning yeah, these cars. Right. I could afford to, to have the, the inconvenience. Now I have money. This should work. And that's pervasive. So you're saying the warranty's good for a Ferrari? Yeah, I am saying that. Well done. Touche. <laughs> well,
1: guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're thrilled you're with us. You guys have written some awesome, fun questions that we will get to on social media here at the end of the podcast. But we do have two debates, including Roger C. up in Toronto in Canada. He has definitely got the disease. And then something else that's I thought you and I could banter about a little bit from okay. Carl P. He's yeah. Yeah, yeah. asking about... Would you entertain the possibility of actually owning a replica car, specifically a 356 Porsche, mm-hmm. over a factory built? But we can talk in broad generalities about, hey, just a factory car versus kit mm-hmm. cars and yeah, yeah. what's out there. And now I've gone back to the Factory 5
0: website and I'm kind of jonesing for their race frightening, car. Frightening. Frightening. Speaking of websites, I want to mention again that this podcast is being brought to you by Amazon Automotive. Again, free shipping on millions of items for Prime members. And that, you know, we all know that, we all use that. But this is also about auto parts. So big stuff, Agreed. top brands, K&N, Power Stop, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and many more from Amazon Automotive.
1: Yep. And if you don't consider yourself an automotive expert, hopefully you're listening to this podcast because of that. Or maybe you already are. But check out Amazon's library of automotive video content, amazon.com slash mygarage. So you can learn to install things like an air filter or change your oil or just check out tips for driving off-road, stuff like that. So check out that website. All right, so we've got this debate from Roger here. He's got this disease. As I'm saying, he's also a new father. He's 30 Mm -hmm. and soon to follow. Sounds like your wife is pregnant with your second child. Congratulations. Yeah. That's fantastic. You're building the family, and he's also fortunate enough to have a good job, and he owns three cars. Mm -hmm. Who else do we know that owns three cars? Do we know anybody else?
0: Yeah, there's a whole discussion about the Mini versus Lotus later. By the way, the Lotus (laughs) is running very, very well. The British cars are running. I know. Simultaneously. Well. I, yeah. I, know I it's have craziness. to keep teasing you. Yes. And that's and that's valid. My yeah. wife has bought me a crazy Union Jack shirt because she's just like, you just need one. So now I have a Union Jack shirt I have to wear. Yeah. Oh, does that mean you now like Magnus Walker's
1: logo with the Union stop. Jack and the stop Porsche, but it's Magnus. But uh, Union yeah. Jack. All right. So Roger is up in Toronto, as I said. He currently has a 2015 Ford Edge, which is his wife's car. This is the family car mm-hmm. for... You know, all the plastic bits in his life. Yep, absolutely. All an 05 Honda Accord, which is his winter beater. Yep. And lastly, a 2015 Mustang GT, which he says here, he regrets not getting the track pack, but it is modified. He's got the wheels and tires upgraded, brake Mm -hmm. lines, pads, and fluid, some chassis stuff, shock There's a lot of stuff.
0: And there's more on the list of like the to-dos are on here too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All
1: right. So he purchased the Mustang and then of course they went on vacation in Europe where he drove a BMW 435i over 2000 kilometers. Through a bunch of European countries, Germany, Switzerland,
0: and Austria, mountain passes galore. Yeah, a day on the ring. I mean, this you're going to come back and, and and have car questions when that happens. <laughs> whatever car you're in for that adventure, what is this
1: feeling that I'm you're going to come back
0: and be like, do I do I need one of them? I don't care what the car was. You could have done it in the Seat Leon that Paul and I drove this year on pilgrimage. We had a Seat Leon rental car. We still were like, yeah, the Autobahn's still fun. Doesn't matter. So whatever you drive for that experience, you're going to come back and wonder if you need one of those in your life. And that's exactly what happened. I what I think is funny is he. Comes home from this, and Roger promptly joins his local BMW car club, which I find hysterical since he is not a BMW owner. Right. But he drove one and liked it so much, he joined the club.
1: That's so funny. So he said the club's home track is Mosport, 400 mm-hmm. kilometers from mm-hmm. his house, and he goes out there for eight track days each summer and finds time to go to a couple local tracks. So uh, it just—it sounds like what's happened to Roger is what's happened to you and I after our first Le- Lemons race. We're now thinking, um, <clears> hmm, <throat> track-specific car? How often can we track? Do we I do? need a track car? What do I tow a track car with? Frightening <laughs> thoughts. All that stuff has gone through my mind, and that is the question. As a matter of fact, he's presented us with a couple of options here. Should he... Purchase a new road car with better track manners than the Mustang. Mm-hmm. So he's talking Cayman, Corvette C7, a Camaro, even a ZL1, mm-hmm. or a Mustang GT350. I mean, that'd be a serious upgrade to your current Mustang. Yeah, yeah. But he's saying he's feeling the heavy car, and his comment also is, all new cars seem to be quite heavy. Yes, they, kind are. Of interesting. they are. They for are, for sure. Or option two is purchase a truck, a trailer, and a track car. Roger, I'm pretty much in the exact same spot as you are because after that Lemons race, we're all looking at each other going, we got we to gotta do this again
0: next year. Honestly, look when we get to the track? I think the worst thing that happened to Paul the entire Lemons race was the fact that when he wasn't in the car hooning, he was standing in someone else's really wonderful trailer.
1: I'm looking at the trailer. With stuff going,
0: in the trailer, and huh. we've got shade in the trailer, and the, and the oh, pop-up, the best. and the best. food, and he just kept thinking. It, it was hysterical, because half of the conversation with Paul that week, it was, how much fun are we having? The other part of it was, he just kept going, isn't this trailer cool? And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> it's happening. Noticing
1: trailers, and then, huh. Well, if I'm going to get a trailer, it has to tow the car and the stuff, but...
0: Well, now it needs to tow two cars because
1: we need the Cayman and the Lotus to
0: go to the track. Thank God I buy small cars. Ah, yeah, yeah. You'd be buying a semi. But But anyway,
1: yeah. You did encourage me because you kept pulling out your phone and pulling up the calculator and going, well, the Lotus is this many centimeters long. Well, the Cayman is this many centimeters long. So
0: could that fit in a 30-foot trailer? Huh. No, no we see, have to go 30 foot. But it was your idea to do the two cars. And so I started bringing the cold, hard reality of, let's add up the total length of these two cars. And you know they're not going to touch bumper to bumper. And suddenly the trailer is getting longer. And if I, if I was a guy that was shopping for things like Corvette C7s, you'd have a 60-foot trailer.
1: Yeah, but fortunately you love small British cars. which is true. Cars, yeah, which it's is ridiculous. great. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. All right, so with these two <laughs> options here. It is, insanity here, we're talking about. It is, but he, it's just... It, fit right in I know, what you and I, I have been talking about for a while it does. now. It's, I still think it's insane, but go on. So he's unsure. He loves driving the Mustang on the road and the track, but his issues, as I said before, are the weight and the chassis. He just doesn't feel like he can c- carry the speed through the corners, the tighter corners, so he kind of feel like he's lumbering around and now you've thrown a lot of money in parts mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. tuning at this Mustang. Which
0: won't come back out. I'm sorry to say it, but that money's no, gone. No, no. Yeah. So
1: yeah. he's saying, all right, well, I've got a seven-kilometer commute to work. Small highway stint, but he's looking at these options. So he said a recent driving instructor of his drove a Cayman GTS on the road. He had a Raptor <laughs> and a trailer That's and an M135 race car. Yeah. That's nice but, if you can afford it. <laughs> so again, he wants to drive a sports car on the road, but also have the fully track prep thing to feed the track jonesing part of himself. And he might want to take the family for a drive and include everybody.
0: This is the crux of the question, because it's, (laughs) can I go more track-friendly than the Mustang GT? Now, again, I I want to clarify. It's not that the Mustang GT has not been fun on track. It's not that it's not a track-worthy car. We did that Mustang GT uh, one-day school out here at our local track and loved it. So certainly it is a track car, but he's just realizing once you get out there, you start tracking – Feeling a light car that's very chuckable is very satisfying on the track, and that's the thing the Mustang's missing. So he's wondering Mm -hmm. about trying to get that more focused chuckable reality while still keeping it roadworthy, or do we have to chuck all of this out and go crazy focused track car and separate different daily driver? There's some
1: questions here that we have for you, Roger. First of all, the Mustang and the Accord, if you were to get rid of both he could get about 35,000 for it. Mm-hmm. So his budget right now is around 50,000 Canadian, mm-hmm. all right? Which is a healthy budget. It is good. But yeah. that have to be divided into truck trailer and race car. That's problematic. So <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to push on that budget, but I'm going to be calm. I'm going to just <laughs> calm down over here. And of course, now he spends all his free time researching roll cages and racing seats and harnesses. So the the thing has been established that you're good at finding parts and bolting them onto a car.
0: For sure. You have For proven sure. that. Yeah, you're yeah, good yeah. at
1: doing that. You've done it with a Mustang. I, I'm kind of waffling. You haven't mentioned anywhere on here about, yes, you'd like to take the family, but has the wife approved? Has your wife approved? <laughs> Hello, Roger's wife. Has, has well approved true. his and, thinking here?
0: And honestly, I'm wondering how paramount that discussion is because let's be honest let's be honest you and your wife and two kids in car seats takes you right out of small trackable cars oh yeah 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 i mean the closest it puts you, you can in a mustang get, gt which you have well at, at least though but if we're talking rear-facing child seat you're not even in that the whole family's not even going in that unless everybody's small. No. Okay? Because these back seats of two plus twos, Mustang's a great place to start. These back seat of two plus twos cannot handle mom and dad in the front seat and rear-facing child seats in the rear, a couple of rear-facing child seats, unless somebody in the family is small. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the whole family is small. And I say that as a big guy where any time I get into two plus two and put the seat in my driving position, no one with legs is behind me. And if you've got a rear-facing child seat, you've got to have clearance far beyond most people's legs. So... I am kind of hoping that the long-term thinking here is that because you have that edge, that is truly the family car. And this one maybe gets some other family use, but probably doesn't, because that gets us into what I would consider cars that are still really viable for your discussion. Sure. And the the thought process that's going through my head right now is if you're going to track a car and mm-hmm. you're
1: doing as many track days, because the difference here is that – You're part of the car club, the BMW car club already. Mm -hmm. You are doing eight track days every summer and you're doing other local tracks. So you have proven also that you're going, you're getting out there. You're Mm -hmm. not just, it's not a pipe dream. You're not just, sure, totally. you know, in love with being in love or in love with the fact I might go. I might go track. No, he is tracking. You're right. You actually are. So that's what's influencing my thought process here. And then if you're going to do the track thing, Get a track prepped car, right tool for the job. You don't see sushi chefs using paring knives to prepare your food, right? They have specific tools. Same thing for mechanics. You get what I'm talking about. So I'm thinking about this. (laughs) It might be dangerous because I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking about option two, this truck trailer and track ready car. Funny. Of course you are. Because, I mean, imagine you're trying to go something that does it all. Can it be done? Can we suggest things that could do the double duty as you refer Mm. to? Yes, but you've already suggested them. And I'm thinking something lightweight, something, you know, get that truck and trailer. And this is the time in your life to be able to do it if you've got the budget. Yeah, Yeah, And again, coming back to the fact that you already are doing the track thing. You're not just toe in the pool I might go sure
0: yeah if you had
1: said that Roger I would have said get a car that does double duty Mm -hmm. I would have Mm -hmm. steered you that direction pun intended I would not have suggested get specific equipment for this but it sounds like you love it and so if I say if you can
0: Mm -hmm. you have the means (laughs) yeah highly recommend you picking one up yes I would recommend back to to Ferris again yes for sure
1: so that's where I'm at. Yes, now the problem comes down to race car
0: mm-hmm. and
1: which car should that be. Mm-hmm. The truck and the trailer, there's zillions of options. I'll leave that to you for how long and you know how much weight you want to pull and all that stuff. But now we're talking what kind of track car could you do.
0: And if, but if you go old pickup that'll run and you go exposed, just tow behind a trailer that fits a small car, this is a fairly comparatively – we're talking about a trailer just to tow to the track, I w- realize, which is already weird, but it, it, it's a fa- fairly affordable. You could get yourself a beat-down pickup that will do tow du- duty and an exposed single-car trailer for fairly it could cheap. could be an open trailer because yes. here I am thinking enclosed. You think enclosed, but deal. we're talking about just track, let's get out there. Why not have an exposed single-car outdoor trailer? That's not that expensive comparatively Mm -hmm. if you're really going to go that route. I'm not going this route. I'm going single-car, but please continue. You are.
1: Well, that leads me to race cars, I said, and what is the race car that we all think of when you're getting into this? It's a spec Miata. Absolutely. It's going down that road because they're inexpensive. We could talk 944. We could talk S2000, but I'm going Miata. Parts availability you might be able to find one from somebody getting out of this mm-hmm. heck you might be able to find the entire package car trailer spares everything maybe maybe for somebody just saying you know what i don't have enough time my life has changed I've i'm moving moved up to spec z's whatever that happens there's a lot of options but yeah. i'm going for just keep it low cost right now Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you might not have to spend fifty thousand. Here I am. I mean, the words coming out of my mouth. You might have to not have to spend your whole budget.
0: That seems really strange for me to say that.
1: But why not just tow in the pool? And just okay, am I really committing? Am I really doing this? Yes, I am. Okay. I've got a proper car to do it. Do you need to start with the highest horsepower craziness? Of not. No, no, of course you don't. not. No, that's why I'm leaning on Spec Miata. Start looking around for those. And get something that's already built instead of throwing your money. Again, you've thrown a lot of money into parts and bits and bobs and all this stuff. You're good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, try to find something that's already there. And you're going to have a lot of responsibilities. Balancing, you know, growing family and getting to the track and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's hard. And then with your mounted GoPro, you can show the family your videos once you've finished racing.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, I actually tried to go single car. you did? I tried to go single car that you can drive daily and still take to the track. But the big thing I take away from this, Roger, is the fact that what you're wanting is that light chuckable feel. Mm -hmm. A different, more on-its-toes feel, if you will, than the Mustang. Because the Mustang's got plenty of power. The current one's got a great chassis. Good track car, but you're wanting something different. I tried to figure out what are cars less than 3,000 pounds that we can really talk about that might – Do all the things he wants to do, which is commute and have as your normal car. You could possibly drive it year round, and then also you can take it to the track. So that started to to really narrow things quickly. (laughs) I do have to mention the Miata again because you could get now. Look again, I've already thrown out the idea of all four of you, including two rear-facing child seats. I'm kind of throwing that out, man, because I think that's that's too big an ask. I genuinely do. Maybe, maybe three of you, but then who's got the fourth? So that's a problem. Mm, Uh, So. I'm going to just embrace Miatas because they are perfect for the daily car that can, you can genuinely track, and they're light. The thing I want they you in light. is something light because once it gets light, and I say this as the Lotus owner, once it gets light, all your consumables go down. <laughs> yeah. Tires, brakes, yeah. all of it. I mean, look, we could talk about We talked about it up one side and down the other. The E90 generation M3, that great big four-door with the V8, fantastic family totally car awesome. that can be a track car. Totally But awesome. welcome
1: to consumables. I mean, the heavier your car, the more powerful, the more speed you're going to carry. The you know, more brakes and tires you're going to eat. All that stuff, Then you're going to think, who's your race tires? And then
0: you're off into the weeds. Exactly. And and it's all about the money, which is a problem. So I'm going light. So definitely, definitely the Miata. If you want something a little more all around usable and nicer, first gen Caymans weigh three thousand pounds. Yeah. yeah. So that's an option as well.
1: I've been looking at Caymans. Admitting that to everybody. I know. Nobody came no and I'm ad, looking ad, at it. Admitting what? That's
0: not a surprise to was wrong with me? Yeah, it's frightening. Golly. <laughs> I have to say Lotus because it's a no brainer for light, but the problem is, are you I'm weird. Are you going to actually drive a Lotus Alicia round? So now we step up to Evora, which is early gen Evoras you might be able to afford. You're talking about forty grand uh, US, fifty grand mm-hmm. Canadian. Yeah. Maybe we have a friend, Craig, we drove his Avora uh, Evora S for the show. Yeah, pretty and fun. He had a he had a, a child seat in the back seats. It's possible. But family of four is not in that car. Family of three, maybe. But family of four <laughs> is not. No. And no. let's hope you're not large people. Otherwise, that's a serious problem. But So maybe an Avora, But the Avora is right around 3,000 pounds as well. The Elise is 2,000. But I think the Elise is probably out, as much as I love them. Probably out here. Probably. There's yeah. two, I feel I have to say, and one wild card. OK. All right. An 86 chassis, my friend. Come on. Yeah? 2,700 pounds. I know from tracking it, parts are plentiful. They don't go through consumables very quickly. Tires, brakes, it's going to be a great – you're wanting a momentum car. You're wanting a lightweight momentum car. Sure, sure. That's a perfect track car for that. It's the larger, more usable Miata. It truly is. You could get – Hey, I'd got kids in the back of that car. You can kids in the back, so it's somewhat usable. It is honestly, it's the size you like of your Mustang with none of the large problems, none of the big feel. It's that same kind of world. Absolutely. So you have to drive an eighty-six. You have to drive a Fiesta ST. That could be viable, huh? Mm -hmm.
1: That could. Now
0: again, small back seats. All of these cars are going to struggle if you really have to get, again, two rear-facing trash can child seats. This is a problem. Go to your local garden center, buy two of the big, like, 40-gallon uh, out-in-the-back-of-your-yard trash cans and try to figure out how to put that in the back seat of your car with you driving. This is what we're dealing with. This is the kind of kid stuff that invades life. Oh, my gosh. So this is a problem. So, But Fiesta ST is light, chuckable. You can commute. You can track. Consumables are low. Enjoy mm. that and then my wild card breaks the 3000 barrier okay but is chuckable and usable for space and walks that line of is it a track car is it a usable daily car the evo 10 oh sure why not it's chuckalicious it's it's not there you go that's there's today's shirt <laughs> hey but but here's the thing that car is going to be great on tracks Now, I know they go through tires because they're doing so much GTR-style wizardry with where's the power. But every time I've gone to, like, a time attack day, the Evos are fighting for the top. You know, I like that. I'd almost be rather
1: driving an Evo on track than the street.
0: But the Evos are murdering things. They're they're, they're just murdering everybody. But then it is a four-door car with some genuine space. And it doesn't it feels the opposite of the Mustang. It feels very light on its feet. The rotation in those cars is shocking, which mm-hmm. is what you're wanting. You want that light rotation. So while it's a little heavier, like thirty four or thirty five hundred pounds, so it's close to the weight of your Mustang. So I've broken my weight thing, but that's not that's not gonna feel lumbering at all. It's just very light on its feet. So I think that's my wild card is the Evo ten here. Oh, I like it. Well, Roger, as always, we really
1: hope this helps. If you've got your own debate, write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or find us on the website, everydaydriver.com. A lot of people reach us there. We will pause briefly and be right back. Hey, folks, Amazon lets you shop auto parts, tools, and accessories very quickly and easily from your PC or mobile device. They also offer free shipping on millions of items for Prime members. Amazon carries top brands like you've heard, K&N Filters, PowerStop, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and more. And the Amazon Automotive Store has a massive selection of parts, accessories, tools, fluids, and more. You can even shop for tires on Amazon. So check your fitment online for millions of parts using Amazon's Part Finder tool.
0: Just enter your year, make, and model, and Amazon will tell you if it fits. You can buy with confidence there. You can use customer Q&As, you know, all the reviews of everything on Amazon. They're there for auto parts too so that's really cool. You can get the right part the first time. You're not an automotive expert. That's okay. You can check out Amazon's library of automotive video content. You can find that at Amazon.com slash MyGarage. Honestly, didn't even know that existed and there it is. You can learn to install an air filter. You change your oil. You want to find out how to do stuff. It's right there in addition to where you're looking on YouTube. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to Amazon.com MyGarage. Again, your vehicle information, start shopping right now. And I'm going to say it again, use promo code driver at checkout to receive $5 off select orders over $25 at the limited time. Restrictions apply. Visit amazon.com promo terms for details.
1: Podcast One Sports presents Attack Each Day, the Harbaughs podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear Jack Harbaugh. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Jim Harbaugh. What the hell's going on around here?
0: And JT Rogan share their stories from on and off the field. Past guests include John Harbaugh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, and Pardon My Takes, PFT, and Big Cat. So don't miss an episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaughs
1: podcast. Every Tuesday, exclusive exclusively on podcast1.com and the new
0: podcast1 app. Just a sample of what's coming to podcast1 sports. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she
1: could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, When an innermost nesting doll hears that
0: Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because, yes, switching to Geico is a no brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.
1: All righty, we've got this interesting debate from Carl P., who has written probably among the least words to us. Yes, it's like two sentences. He's asking us, would we entertain the possibility of comparing a replica 356 Porsche to a similar factory build example? So an original. He can't really find any definitive information about this and really about ownership and driving it. So, you know, he's talking about Porsche prices climbing. Yes, they are still climbing, but maybe not. They might be stabilizing a bit. But it's still they're they're still very expensive, especially for three fifty sixes. These original nice three fifty sixes, yeah. And three fifty sixes yeah. had their own problems in terms of body rust, and so good ones mm. that are repaired are expensive, and then old ones that aren't are going to fall apart. Maybe, yeah. yeah. So he's suggesting something like the JPS Porsche three fifty six or Beck made cars that are certainly comparisons, but you can have them for far lower price. I mean, yeah. we're talking low thirties for a lot of these. But he's asking us, would you have a good time driving a replica car? Should he even entertain this thought or
0: mm-hmm. go original? Should he buy the, the real deal? What do you think? Well, here, here's the thing. I think the, the danger with kit cars is buying into something that is cheap and terrible. Yes, that is the data' traditional danger, and we've all seen we've all seen. <laughs> pick your site, your Craigslist, your eBay, your whatever. You've all seen the person selling the quote unquote Ferrari that is built badly on some other chassis. A and Fiero, you, you, yes, but 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 it's been on tons of others. But Fiero is a great example where you just you kind of the more you look at photos, you kind of can't believe how awful it really is. <laughs> we've all seen those, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. But that is the danger. What we're talking about is companies that specialize in remaking the old. And the one that you see a ton in the U.S. here is, Factory 5 is a great one, but Kirkham and all the others that build Cobras. Mm-hmm. Cobras are the big one. Chance, who used to work at Kirkham, can walk up to any Cobra at a car show and tell you who made it. Oh, yeah. He can tell you if it's an original. He can tell you if it's Kirkham. He can tell you if it's Factory 5. He just goes off and on. Super performance He's, on he's great on. at it. He's great at it, which is awesome. I don't have that skill, but the thing is... For 95% of the people at the car show, it's irrelevant. You just pulled up in a Cobra, which brings That's me to my true. main point. What are you wanting this for? Because let's go to the crazy Ferraris, the 250s. Okay. Oh, the real ones you're talking. The real ones. Like 250 GTOs and the Yeah, whole the 15 to $20 million cars. If you could get a really well-sorted replica of that car, wouldn't you want it? Like really well-sorted. Absolutely. And this is my thing about this 356. If you can get one for – let's just I'm, – I'm making up numbers. For a tenth of the cost of the real one, then you know what? It's perfect in my mind if it's if this is a known, well-sorted chassis because then you don't have to be precious and you get all the enjoyment. can see that, yeah. Now the problem is, A, have you driven one of these replicas? And B, have you driven a real one? Because I do expect – the real one will be that one that always got away. If you drive the real one and you drive the replica, you're going to be like, yeah, I need a real one. That's my concern. <laughs> but I do have to think about those crazy you know, $15 million Ferraris. And I just think if you could have a $15 million Ferrari, let's say you got 75% of that experience out of a car that cost you sixty grand. Okay. That's what I wonder about. I wonder about how much you're, how, how close the replica is. My, my short answer to my long-winded discussion here is, why not, if you're going to use it, and these cars that feel like these old analog cars, we just got done with Fast Blast this weekend driving some old analog cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That experience is so different from your modern sedan <laughs> that you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's going to speak to you, even if it's not as good as the original. So I think that is something to latch on to. But the question is, can you do this? Can you find a really well-sorted one and just enjoy and not be precious? Hmm.
1: No, I I definitely, I agree with a lot of that. And I'm going to take an additional tack here about fake versus real. Hmm. And I'm going to talk first about the fake stuff that I don't support. Mainly watches and furniture. Because buying fake Furniture, fake names of, you know, replica furniture, and also especially watches, it actually harms the industry. So you're, you're harming the people that make the real deal. Okay. Just by virtue of, you know, proliferating that that illegal market and sure, all that sure, stuff. Yeah. And furniture too, you know, from from Charles and Ray Eames, I'm into furniture. Yes, you are pieces that aren't the original reissued, you know, they own the rights to that name and they Mm -hmm. own like Mm -hmm. Knoll, for example, does reissued pieces. Yeah. So, you know, it's the real deal, even though they're making a new one, there's also continuation cars, which we can get into a little bit, which are, you know, we continue on with the serial numbers, which are the real deal, even though they're made now Jaguar
0: with the E types. Yeah.
1: But Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I feel the opposite about replica cars because you're not necessarily really harming the market because the market is so small. And these cars are, you know, so much fun to drive. It promotes them. And I, I really, I see it funny enough. I see it as a big difference between, you know, buying the real deal. Yeah, but not everybody can afford that. Mm-hmm you could apply the same thinking to watches and furniture and other things too. Yes. However, I just, I don't see cars in that same category, strangely, because you're, you're paying an homage to that car. You're, you know, having a fun project if you're building it yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, there's, there's so much more enthusiasm and especially if the car is out of production, mm-hmm. We're, you're not really harming the production numbers or sales of that car. Most of these car companies have gone on to make other stuff and they're profitable,
0: and they're doing their thing. You know what I feel like you've touched on? Hmm. As we're sitting here talking about this, I think you've touched on that place where cars have an element of art to them. Now, I'm not saying there's no art in watches and furniture, but watches and furniture are mostly designed products. Yes. They're less considered art. Now, they can be, but sure. they're less considered art. Sure. If you have a Jackson Pollock, okay. it's worth, I don't even know. I You have an original Picasso. Boatloads. You've got to be kidding me. Right. Right. But yet... If you have a replica of one of those in your house, people go, wow, that's still a really cool painting. But yet it hasn't harmed the price of the original at all. No. And cars or are if you have way. a copy or a print of exactly. that art. Exactly. That's Something not harming that. the original. Nobody's, nobody's concerned about that. No. But yet you still may want to hang it in your house because you think it looks cool. Right. This is, this is where cars are art. where Where yeah. you can have the, yeah. the original has provenance just like a piece of art has provenance. What's the history that we know it is the original thing? Here's the provenance. Whereas you get the replica car, hasn't bothered the original in the slightest, but yet you can have one. That's an interesting tack. I hadn't thought about the art perspective, but I'm really feeling that right now. Mm, and I don't feel like replica cars bring the prices
1: down of the original. Not at all. Not at all. Especially the 356s. And so, yeah, I've, I've talked about the Factory 5, the 818, you know, with the Subaru build. That is really interesting. I'm thinking the open-top race car with the roll cage now, and that's very dangerous (laughs) to look at. I mean, and then, of course, we can go all the way to the top end from Workshop 5001 and all the way to Singer Porsche or whatever they want to call themselves. The Porsche reimagined by Singer. Who's going to say that? Everybody says Singer Porsche. That's, you know, $650,000 and a Mm -hmm. two- or three-year wait. It doesn't harm the prices, clearly, of these original cars. True, 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 yeah. You know, in a lot of cases, they're made better. Maybe they're fixing, you know, little things here that were not really right to begin with, and we solved it or we made Mm -hmm. it more reliable or whatever. But the biggest thing, Carl, that I want to tell you is. I think you're going to be less precious with a replica and you're just going to be able to go drive it and enjoy it Agreed. instead Agreed. of, whoa, I paid 80000 for this hard top 356 and now I don't want to drive it because it is art yeah. and that's all I want to do is just yeah. look at it. I don't want to drive it. That's the crossover mm-hmm. point is, well, it's a replica. You know what? I damaged the fender. I'll just order a new fiberglass one and yeah. tack it on.
0: Yeah. Done. I agree. I think it it creates a conversation where what are you going to drive? There was an email conversation I had with one of you earlier this week where you were asking about Cayman versus Fiat 124 because the new, new Fiat 124 was about the same price as the used Caymans. And I was one of the points I made in my very brief email back, but I was glad to interact with you, thank you, was to ask the question of which one are you going to drive more? Because if you're going to look at the Porsche as being precious, oh, it's raining out. I shouldn't take it. You would always drive the 124, then get the 124. I want I want you driving the car mm-hmm. versus buying it and letting it sit. So the interesting thing about these kit cars, I think there's nothing wrong with driving a replica if you're actually going to drive it. And it puts you in the car. There's one thing I also thought of randomly here. I don't even know if they still exist. But years ago, there was a company in aircraft. This is random, but follow me. Okay. All right. The, the P-51 Mustangs. Oh, yeah. The killer, awesome fighter planes from World War Ugh. II. I mean, they just stop me every time I see one, okay? There was a company that was building kit planes that were 75% scale replicas.
1: I remember you telling me about and this. And while,
0: while I don't even know what the Mustangs cost, but they're wickedly expensive to own, to buy, to maintain. And this was essentially... Off the par- off the shelf parts, you wind up with something that looks like a P fifty one Mustang. is seventy five percent the size. It I have to think it has to be fun to fly. Oh my And gosh, it was a yeah. fraction of the cost and a fraction of the maintenance. And everything was kind of just Do you want a Mustang? Build yourself a small Mustang. I thought that was really cool. And it's this same era of you're not bothering the the, the originals and they're wickedly expensive. Have most of the experience at a
1: fraction of the cost. Let's. Yeah, super cool. And it gets you driving. You know, you and I love talking about tires. And don't forget the Amazon Automotive Store has a massive selection of parts and accessories, tools, fluids, and you can shop for tires on Amazon. So again, go to Amazon.com slash my garage, enter your vehicle information, and start shopping their entire comprehensive automotive catalog. And
0: they've even given us a promo code, which is really cool. If you use Driver at checkout, you refi- you receive five dollars off on selected orders over twenty-five dollars. So that's awesome. You can go to Amazon.com promo terms for details. Guys, we're jumping into questions. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, you have
1: really inundated us with great ones here. And I'm going to jump in with a bit of a twist here from Jason Connor. Okay. Oh, cool. (laughs) Hello, my friend. Yeah, for sure. He's
0: asking, why shouldn't one buy a Porsche? Having just bought one, Jason, it's an interesting question. (laughs) Exactly. And you are kind of shooting fish in a barrel asking Paul this question. I may just have to be quiet so the two of you guys can talk Porsche, even though I know one half of the conversation is silent for the moment. (laughs) I'll have to have you on, Jason, to talk about it.
1: This isn't going to take very long, and I can tell you exactly (laughs) why you shouldn't buy a Porsche. It's for the badge. And the problem is- Well done. Well done. Los Angeles- Everybody buys one because it's expensive, <laughs> and it's flashy, and it's a Porsche, and you've arrived, and blah. But the rest of us enthusiasts crave Porsches because of the racing history and the build quality. And by the way, they're mm-hmm. winning. And have I mentioned the build quality? And they're they're beautiful to look at, but I love them for the driving feel and the driving enthusiasm. Not because they're expensive and flashy and it has a Porsche on it. Remember
0: the Hollywood studio joke I told you years ago? <laughs> You first move to L.A., you're going to get a job in Hollywood. And you come out in your Jetta or your beat-down Chevy or whatever. And you finally get a job at the studio and you're making a little money. And what do you buy? Everybody seems to buy the 3 Series BMW in either silver or black. Totally. These are your options. And then you make a little more money and become a bigger executive. I wish this was a joke, by the way. (laughs) Become a little bit more executive. And now you've got like some money for a car. Well, you're going to buy the Range Rover in black or the 911 in either black or silver. Right. This is your progression, and it's frightening to walk onto a studio a lot and see how much that plays out to the point there was a movie at New Line. Once called Simone and if you actually see it spelled it's simulation one. It's Simone. It's an interesting movie. It's it's quirky Al Pacino's in it. It's it's Andrew Nichol is the writer director. He did uh, Truman show and some other things. No kidding. Quite interesting. I like that. So uh, he's got some really thoughtful premises in his movies that don't always execute well but the premises are cool. Anyway there's one scene in that movie. I kind of liked it but there's one scene in the movie in general that every time it was on I laughed and I was like I'm one of the only people ever noticing this but it's one of those classic they call it a process trailer. You've got a car mounted on a trailer and all kinds of cars driving around it. And the, the actors are acting like they're driving. But there's always stuff out the windows, right? Sure. In this scene, every car on purpose, every car in the scene is a silver or black 911 or silver or black Range Rover. And that's all that's <laughs> in the scene. Of course. Every time that scene goes by, it made me laugh. Isn't Maserati entering the scene now? You know, with,
1: with the studio managers well, and all somewhat, this stuff, like Maserati somewhat. now but, ma- means But that's kind of made but it. But
0: that's the oddball, though. That's still the, you decided to go against the grain. For sure, for sure. Nobody
1: in the design studio stepped away from the car and actually looked at it and said, that's ugly. We should start over. Well, Why are we releasing that's, that? That's the Levante,
0: though. Ugh. The, the Quadra is is a cool-looking car. The Ghibli mm. depends on your angle.
1: <laughs> well, that's the problem because you can get the really bad angle with combined with bad lighting. And you can yeah. for
0: sure. For sure. What is that thing? Uh, Eric wrote to us. Eric wrote to us on uh, Facebook and said, uh, "What's the biggest aftermarket part mistake you purchased for your car?" I want to speak to this real quickly, Eric, because I realized something, and I'm going to include the FRS. Okay. In general, I wish I didn't get exhausts for my cars. Really? I had an exhaust for the 300ZX. At one point, I briefly had an exhaust for the Sabaru. I had an exhaust for that FRS. Look, there is, it's cool. I'm a guy, obviously, I daily all my cars year round. It's cool. When they work. <clears throat> They're working now, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never end. It's never going to end. You're right. It's anyway, so much fun. You're right. It is. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy shooting. Uh, but here's the thing. Generally, when I'm getting to drive the car hard, I love having that big, loud exhaust but a lot of life is not driving it hard. And then the car's just loud. Just and droning. Drones. Yeah. And they've put that exhaust on the car from the factory because they've tried to find that balance. And they've had hours and hours and thousands of hours of R&D and thousands of miles to try to find an exhaust that is pleasing in all conditions. And I'll be honest, sometimes it doesn't make the car sound that good, mm-hmm. but it's just usable. Mm-hmm. So in general, I, I and it's, it's like I have a, this weird disease, like we all do, because I shop for exhausts and then I put one on the car and I go, "Should I have gotten the exhaust?" So I'm, I'm and and I loved the way the FRS sounded. I loved it, but it's funny now to have the Lotus and it, and my wife keeps commenting about the fact that the FRS was far louder yeah. when I would leave than the Lotus has ever been, and it's the Lotus for gosh sakes. So funny. Wow. All
1: right. Well, uh, Ed Cruzon on Facebook is asking me what watch goes with a 1985 Mazda RX-7 track car. Check, please. I'm out. I'm thinking Seiko or maybe a Swatch because that was, you know, the, the 80s.
0: Swatch is a good call. What do you think?
1: I mean, mid-80s, <laughs> it, it revitalized the industry. Or maybe. No, but funny. You, you're going you're gonna to laugh. How about a Casio databank? Remember your friends that had one of those? Like, <laughs> wow, that's super cool for you to
0: own. But, but this is but this is if it's his Libens car. This is his genuine <laughs> You're right though. If it's his Libben's car, we go full eighties <laughs> Bring the hairstyle wigs. Hey. Do it. The big Ray-Ban sunglasses. We got to go. We got to have the Casio data bag. That's awesome. I love it. I had to. That's
1: All right. good. That was, um, yeah, low-hanging fruit there. I mean, watch questions are very <laughs> tempting, obviously.
0: <laughs> On Instagram, what is Chris doing, asked a question that's actually very, very present uh, day because it happened today. He said, Todd, what does your son think of the Mini? Oh, yeah. Earlier tonight, I was taking him somewhere. And the Lotus, I, I fixed the Lotus problem this weekend. I'm thrilled I truly to fixed that. it. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was yeah. talking about how the fuel pump wasn't firing. And I was pretty sure it was the patch. It was the patch. I have now secured it. It will not cause me problems again. So I fixed <laughs> it. And also it took me half the time. Of course it did to take all the seats and the uh, firewall stuff off the car. Second time around, I practically, the seats almost feel like they're quick release now. I know how to do this. So anyway, but <laughs> they're uh, not, they're, but... <laughs> they're really, really not. But anyway, um, but so that, so that's fixed. So this evening I wanted to drive it as much as I could because I've got it I did the whole shakedown this weekend. And I was gonna take my son somewhere. Yeah. And I said, uh, let's take the lotus. And he goes, Dad, can we take the mini? He did. He did. He did. And I was like, you You're know what, bud? Me. You wanna take the mini? That's fine. And I've been thinking about it. He loves the mini. And he said to me, he said, Dad, I said, You like it? Huh? He said, I like it. I almost like it more than the than the lotus. What? So I started thinking about it. I'm thinking about it from his perspective though, because he's seven. And I've been. What's been dawning on me is the Mini is a very kid-friendly and excitable car. When he gets okay, in it, all right. When he gets in it again, he's seven. When he gets in it, what's he do? He opens and closes the glove box because it's got like this two-stage <laughs> slow release. He's fascinated by it. He's like, "Look, it's glove box." Of course, the Lotus has oh, nothing of the kind. Oh, but man. think about all the uh, the Apollo astronaut-looking switches for the original Minis, like I've got. Yeah, yeah. Those are fun. He wants to lock and unlock. Hey, Dad, can I lock the doors? Sure, lock the doors. Hey, hey, can I drop my window down? Sure, why not? Those are just it's very That's kid cute. interesting. That's and so let's fun. be honest, it's been here for a little over a week. It's the new kid too.
1: I was gonna say, is it just because of the newness both, of the car, new to both. the family, or is it actually he, he
0: loves the Lotus, but the but the mini is this cool little kid playground right now. He was like, Can we take the mini? And I said, Sure, buddy, let's take the mini. How so he's he's a fan for sure. Very
1: cute. All right. Also on Instagram, Eric S. Eric Storley asks us, best way to get in touch with other enthusiasts or find a community to be part of? And I will say, Eric, what car do you own? Your enthusiast mm. car do you own? Or what mm-hmm. car do mm-hmm. you aspire to own? And then go searching. Just a simple Google search of whatever that is. BMW, whatever that car for sure, is. For, for forums, sure. Subaru forms. Miata. F, you know, Focus ST. Whatever that is. And you can find a lot of these forums are broken up into regions around the country. For sure. For Click sure. Click on your region. Start reading people's threads. Quickly, you'll find out who the admin is. You'll find yeah, out who the prolific yeah, yeah. posters are on there. Send them a, a private message and say, hey, I'm new to the area or I just want to get involved. You seem like you're you know, pretty knowledgeable. You might have a yeah, shop at yeah, your yeah. house. When's the next event? What's going on? And I'll bet you they'll reply and Be thrilled that you're emailing them and messaging them. Very possible. Hey, a new enthusiast joining Mm -hmm. the group. Yeah, come on. Well, and this is a
0: place. This is a place where Facebook is really your friend because a lot of these groups. I mean, the Park City Car Club here in in Park City has a Facebook page, and they do all of their interaction that way. And that's cars of all kinds, which is cool. I would also say, search uh, Google is your friend here. Search for what is the closest cars and coffee to you, and how often does it happen. There's a cars and coffee, even if it's not like that official, there's a cars and coffee meetup somewhere in pretty much every city you can imagine happening at least fairly frequently. The great thing about a cars and coffee style event is the fact that you're going to find all kinds of cars. Mm-hmm. So just start Googling your area and figuring out if you can find that as well. Because these are the places, these are kind of like the, the entry points is what we're talking about. Because from there you can go nuts. You can start chasing autocross groups and that kind of stuff. But I'd like you to, f- to find a place where a bunch of guys with their cars are all getting together for coffee or hanging out in the parking lot or whatever. And then you can start meeting people and going from there.
1: What else? Uh, Teal PR on Instagram is asking about the Accord, the new Honda Accord. The mm-hmm. embargo has been lifted. It's been released, and it seems pretty good <clears throat> compared to what is my so, question. So you're saying you're a fan. Lone Ranger jokes are entering my mind. Like, you know. I know. Tie on your headband. I know. It's wearing a mask. I know. about the mask on it. Yeah. In this case, design by committee is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of design studios, there's a lot of design influence, there's a lot of corporate influence, there's a lot of managerial and high-up influence of, you know, you just stare at it for a long time, and, okay, this is what we're getting used to, and, all right, we're going to release that. I am not a fan. The proportions are ungainly. They're really? looking at the cross tour as if this is something to herald, <laughs> and now it's wearing a Lone Ranger, Ranger mask <laughs> with a giant chrome <laughs> It's got a monobrow of chrome. It does. You're right. I really, really don't like it. And this is one of their best selling. You have an opportunity to let somebody push for the design, push on this. The Camry that happened with the Camry, love it or hate it. There are actually some elements on there that I can see why the designer pushed for them (laughs) and made it a little bit different. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm going for Camry because... The Accord will just sell, because it's an Accord. Yeah, and it'll probably be great. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. I just want to be in it driving, but then you're going to have to look at all the horrified faces of everybody else <laughs> looking at you in traffic. I don't
0: think it's that bad, Ugh. but I see what you're saying. My takeaway, and you're Look at the Kia Stinger. Yes. Gorge. Yes, it's gorgeous. Love it. It's gorgeous. I actually feel like, and we've talked about this briefly before, I actually think this Honda Accord reminds me in a lot of ways, it feels... Audi A7 ish, with the exception of the front end, and I do agree with your Lone Ranger comments on the front end. Gack. I think there's some th- like three rear three quarter views that feel a little bit in the a- Audi A7 range, but uh, of course you're right. It's going to sell like crazy, and it's Total gonna sell. And we're going to just hear the Lone Ranger theme every time we watch one drive by. <laughs> I mean, let the
1: jokes begin because yep. wow, I'm I'm not looking forward to performance versions of this car. Because adding more stuff to that is just going to be bad. <laughs>
0: it's a bad idea. You didn't start with something good. Adam <laughs> Adam on Twitter asked two questions I want to cover real quickly. He first asked, what foldable racing simulator uh, setup do I have? It's a, it's like a really small indie company that makes something called the Wheel Stand Pro, and it does fold in half. Mm-hmm. The, the steering wheel folds down to the pedals. You've asked about storing it under a bed. Depends on how your bed is because, let's be honest, those actual wheels and the motor for the wheels itself is kind of a brick. So, no matter yeah. how much the stand is foldable, I don't know if it'll fit under bed. It depends on your bed, but it is Wheel Stand Pro. This is not an endorsement. It's just that's what I found online. You also asked about electric cars and apartments. If electric cars become an actual massive percentage Ooh. of the market. How are people who don't have, a, who have apartments or don't have garages going to handle that? And Adam, this is a huge conversation, but it boils down.
1: <laughs> Look like the neighborhoods in India where everybody tapped into the one.
0: Seriously. You know, <laughs> buyers everywhere, but it boils down to one word and that's infrastructure yeah. right now. Yeah. There isn't any. And if this is really going to become a thing, especially in cities, the cities, the streets, there's, there's a company in, England, I think, that is hacking street lamps to make them charge charge cards, yeah, charging points for cars. Ah. So, but but this is what we're talking about. Your when you park at the meter at night, it's going to have to be combination parking meter slash charge point. Because these, it this will, will not be solved yeah. by you running a cord out of your apartment. It's going to have to be wherever you park, you can charge that car. Every street corner is going
1: to be a rat's nest of exactly. extension cords you're going gonna, to every car. The weird,
0: the weird little extension power strip that totally. 45 people have plugged into four ports. Like, yeah, exactly. Huh,
1: my phone needs charging. Oh, hey, look. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. But um, you're right, infrastructure is where it's at. And there's going to be a, a plethora of of products like street lamps and parking meters Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. benches and all this stuff because there's not outlets just randomly available on city
0: streets. You're right. There's power running through it, a la the street lamps. But the way to tap that power is the problem. And I forget who it was, but somebody in the last couple of podcasts asked a question about this. Their question was much more political. We avoid the political landmines, but I will say this. You asked a question about why... Isn't the government worried about this infrastructure problem? And I'll give you this answer, because it isn't a thing yet. Yeah, They're going to respond to mass need and interest versus lead the way. They're just not going to lead the way, because when you lead the way on changing massive city infrastructure, there's a huge check. And you come with the big, we need this much money from your taxes to build. And everybody goes, I don't think so. (laughs) <laughs> right. So right. until the kind of groundswell of humanity says we need to remake this city, the politicians are not going to lead. I'm sorry, they're just not. And putting it up for bond votes or things like that, they're not going to be available,
1: and the, you know, public won't really vote until, on them until the public until goes, "I need, need this." Yeah, until the yeah. need is there. Absolutely. All right. So we've got uh, a question here. Adam Fox is asking on Facebook. About extended warranties. He thinks it's great that we recommend mm, used mm-hmm. cars. That's really our focus here. I mean, we love new cars, of course, except for the new Honda Accord. Stop. Ugh. Stop. How do we feel about third-party extended warranties? And I will say, Adam, it depends on the car, and it depends on who's offering the warranty. Because mm-hmm. keep in mind, this is where people make the money. Warranties are where they're, you're just printing True. money for True. that company offering the warranty. They're gambling on the fact that the car is going to run and the little things you're just going mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. take care of, that your yeah, transmission's yeah. not going to go, that your you know, airbag suspension is not going to fail, whatever that is. You're thinking Phaeton right now, aren't you? I'm thinking of Phaeton. You're Phaetons. thinking Phaeton, yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, companies like CarMax, they offer great warranties that will cover everything. They're mm-hmm. not inexpensive. True. Well, none of them are, yeah. None of them are. I mean, generally speaking, you get what you pay for because, yeah, I'm coming back to the particular car. If it's mm-hmm. something... Japanese or Korean that's, you know what? It's probably just going to run and it's not going to require too much maintenance. Or is it a Range Rover with airbags and, you know, weird electrical gremlins and all this stuff, then
0: how many things are there that can go wrong? Start doing the math on, You know what? What is a transmission going to cost me? We joked last time about when I was researching Phaetons, and I'm still obsessed. But when I was researching Phaeton (laughs) and the transmission for a $4,500 Phaeton could be nine grand. This is a problem, okay? Because the warranties, a lot of these extended warranties, by the time you get a good one, you've spent you know $2,500, three grand before you tried hard. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out what are the major components that I may have to replace in the life of this car that are going to be more than the cost of this warranty. We're all for it. There are some great companies out there. I've heard wonderful stories of people with extended warnings. I've heard bad stories too. Of but course, I've heard sir. wonderful stories of people having them and living by them. So I'm all for it, but you've got to research and start running it's a math problem, and that's not really what we do well here, but we also don't advise <laughs> money very well here. So it's all in the same pool. Switching to financial advice, what you should do is No
1: no <laughs> Find always <a> different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you should always no wait, no it's you should never no, I don't know. <laughs> Ian Turnbull is thinking about a Grand Cherokee for his wife, and he's asking me about the particular shifter on the 8-speed that I have in mine. Mm -hmm. Are they as bad as people say, or something you get used to? Do the fix make it better? I
0: know you and I don't agree, but they're as bad as people say. I'm stealing your thunder. They're (laughs) terrible.
1: I like it. As a matter of fact, I love it. I know you do. I know you do. It's, It's techie. It's a switch. It doesn't have to switch placement on the shaft. I mean, the Cayman, yes, it operates like you think it would yeah but the jeep it's it's a lever and it returns to its original position you make a selection neutral reverse or drive it toggles instead of moves correct and then it moves back it centers and resets Mm -hmm. to wherever it just wants to live i'm fine with that i actually like how it feels i can get very precise and very you know yeah just very precise with my motions on it i like it i appreciate it it's something different and new. Hey, let's push on instead of the same, you know, ka-klunk,
0: ka-klunk. I know. You and I, fully, I like it. you and I fully disagree here. And I think the fact that Chrysler has changed it speaks to the fact that it is genuinely problematic. I will say two things. In your defense, I will say it is something you can absolutely get used to.
1: Drive but because the car, I own it. Exactly. So drive the car for a couple of, of months and you won't
0: think it. about it anymore. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, I drive it sporadically. And I always end up looking to make sure I got into the gear I think I got into. Always. <laughs> I am in drive. No, wait, I'm not in driver. Oh, it toggled back. Okay, I'm still in Okay, I need to get reverse. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that's actually reverse. Every time. Every mm. time. And don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm sitting there for five minutes. This happens in the course of a few seconds. But I'm actually thinking about what gear am I in. Did I toggle it right? It's a problem, which is why it changed. It does not mean it isn't surmountable. And it doesn't mean you can't get used to it.
1: And with the FCA fix, I just feel the lawyers every time because now if the door is open, <laughs> congratulations—you could feel the lawyers. <laughs> just I can feel them.
0: Jeep Grand Cherokee now with
1: more lawyers. <laughs> Seriously, if the door is open, the driver's door is open, and I try to put it in gear, it'll immediately engage the shift lock pin, and I'll clunk to a stop. Like, why isn't my car? Oh yeah, I gotta mm-hmm. close the door every time. Yeah. Because it yeah. thinks if the door's open, you're out of the car. It's going to roll over you and crush you. And that happened. That happened, unfortunately. That happened. It was awful. And that was
0: the fix. If the driver's door is open, it won't do anything. You'll put it into drive, and it'll immediately fight you. I hate to say it, but you bring it up now. That was the conclusion that somebody came to in a meeting, and everybody rejoiced. Because what is that? That is a programming fix. Yeah. Oh, look, look, we've got sensors that tell us when the door's open. So exactly. if you open the door, then we're just going to lock it down. And by the way, that software update took two hours to do with the dealer. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, completely. It's probably like 300 kilobytes of code. Fully on board with that. Yeah. Why don't do that? (laughs) Awesome. All right. Anything else uh, questions-wise from your end here? I think we're good for now. I mean, there's tons more, of course, but I think we've covered it. All right. I'll just say one last one
1: from Scott Durrell here on Instagram. He's asking about the Stinger GT, and that's showing up. We are hopefully getting in that car soon, but contrast that with the Genesis G70, which one interests me more? Well, actually, kind of both of them do, but That's keep in mind surprise. the Stinger is to the Genesis as the Cayman is to the 911. Little brother is never going to usurp big brother in Fair. terms of luxury and Fair. price and all that stuff. But it is good, so they both intrigue me for different reasons. Sure, I see that G seventy on the top end as a you know seven series competitor or something like that. But Stinger GT for the dynamics. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm. Interested in both, even though, yes, platform sharing, it. component sharing, yep. all that kind of stuff. And uh, it it should be very intriguing. Getting good reviews so far. And we don't have to say, for a Hyundai, for a Kia.
0: Anyway. No, it
1: just, it's just interesting, period. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you again. Thank you a million for listening, for watching, for following along. We really appreciate it more coming. We have, uh, obviously so much to talk about, but and, and uh, lots
0: of new ratings have happened of late. You guys are, yeah. are taking the time to rate that helps us. Thank you. It helps us in the rankings We're we're remaining a top 10 podcast. A lot of new automotive podcasts have dropped in the last six months and you guys are keeping us at the top. So thank you. Please share it. If you get the chance, we really appreciate those reviews. Talk to you later. Cheers, everyone.
1: I just got a scratch on my chest.
0: Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be.